This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast, show 115. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. What's going on, everybody? This is Josh Dorkin, host of the Bigger Pockets Podcast, here with my wonderful co-host, Mr. Brandon Turner. What's up, Brandon? How are you? You got to get some more descriptive words. Awesome, wonderful, fabulous a, occasionally. A, so I've said fabulous once yeah, in a while. I know, I know, but we got to get some more. Like, uh, we stu- need a list. Stupendous. My stupendous co-host. Or on- just stew something. <laughs> All right. So uh, cool. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Nothing really new is happening because we are recording these podcasts like quickly. So we just recorded one the other day, but you know, life's good. Yeah, yeah, no, all's well, all's well here, you know. It was. And you met a waiter who knew who you were? How I weird met is that? You're a, a celebrity. waiter who's a listener to the Bigger Pockets podcast. In fact, he's like, aren't you the guy who's the co-host of that show with Brandon Turner? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, actually, no, that, that's not me. That's you. Well, good job. Glad you could be my co-host. Um, yeah, that's funny yeah. that you got recognized. I've never been recognized. So somebody recognize me. Come on. Woo-hoo. There's like nine people listening to this show. At least one of you got to. Well, I mean, you, you got to, you know, you got to leave your little circle of podunk. Oh, I guess that would help. You no, are in a tenant market. Not I ran. Market. I ran into a friend one time when a guy from BP ran into me at a uh, Starbucks. So that kind of counts, right? Yeah, that's awesome. Man. But I like live there, so of course yeah, the odds are, are in my favor. All right, moving on. Let's do uh, yes. today's quick tip. Tip. Quick. 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 I can't. <laughs> I don't even know say what you just said. Uh, today's quick <laughs> tip, tip is. <laughs> Today's tip tip is to check out the real estate <laughs> news and headlines section on Bigger Pockets, where you can get there. Uh, you can get there from the navigation bar uh, on BP or by going to biggerpockets.com slash news. And you can see the latest news in the world of real estate, because as a real estate investor, of course, it's a pretty good idea to stay on top of the news that could affect how your investments turn out. Wouldn't you agree? Yep. Cool. Absolutely. So biggerpockets.com slash news is the direct URL, as Brandon go. said. Check there we go. All right, well, let's move on to the trivia question. On last week's show, we sat down with Scott Sutherland and he shared with us about the wonderful world of owning vacation rentals. Uh, He mentioned on the show that he uses three different websites to market his properties. So what three websites does he use? If you think you know, send an email to trivia at biggerpockets.com for your chance to win the digital version of my book, The Book on Invest in Real Estate with No and Low Money Down. That that is today's trivia. You might think you want real estate, but that's not true. What you really want is passive income. With new investors struggling to find deals or get enough money to buy them and veteran landlords tired of the constant tenant phone calls, is there a better alternative? Actually, there is. Short notes from Connect Invest. Connect Invest is an online investing platform that allows you to easily participate in passive real estate investing, and all you need is $500 to start. Short Notes collectively funds a diversified portfolio of commercial and residential real estate projects across acquisition, construction, and development phases. You'll earn a fixed monthly income without the hassle of owning or managing real estate. Head to connectinvest.com BP to create your account. Fund your digital wallet with at least $500. Select from 6, 12, and 24-month short notes with annualized return rates up to 9%. Then sit back and let your monthly returns roll in. Join today by visiting connectinvest.com slash VP. Connectinvest.com slash VP. If you're in the landlord game, then you know the importance of solid tenant screening. 
That's where RentReady steps in. Now, RentReady's got an important new feature, proof of income verification. And get this, with Plaid certified reports, you'll see everything from income summaries to total earnings by month. Say goodbye to those gut check moments and hello to confidence in renting with RentReady. RentReady is included in your pro membership at Bigger Pockets. If you're not a pro, they're offering a six month plan for $1. You can't beat that. I actually don't even know how they make money doing that, but it's above my pay grade, pal. Visit rentready.com. That's R E N T R E D I.com and use the code BP Investor. That's BP, like bigger pockets, investor, like me, to get six months of rent ready for $1, which is crazy. Passive income without the property headache? It's possible. There's a way to invest passively in real estate and get monthly income without any tenants, maintenance, or property management. The Wealthy have been doing this for years, and if you're an accredited or high net worth investor, you too can collect cash flow without the headaches that come from owning rentals. How? By investing in a private real estate fund with PPR Capital Management. PPR's co-founder, Dave Van Horn, wrote the book on real estate note investing for BP. But he's not just investing in notes. Dave and his team also have an extensive background in commercial real estate. And with PPR Capital Management, they're strategically investing in both notes and commercial real estate nationwide. With over half a billion dollars in assets under management, PPR has provided individuals with a steady source of truly passive income since 2007 without ever missing a payment. Check them out at investwithppr.com. Again, if you're looking to get monthly passive income from an experienced team with a strong track record, go to investwithppr.com today. All right, guys. So let's bring in our guest, Jeff Greenberg from Southern California. Jeff, welcome to the show. It's good to have you, man. Well, it's good to be here. Great. Great. Uh, today, we're going to talk about your journey a little bit and apartment complexes, because I think that's what you kind of specialize in. Correct me if I'm wrong, uh, but that's kind of where we're uh, going to get today. So maybe we'll start at the beginning. Uh, first of all, where are you located at? I'm in Southern California. Okay. And do you, do you invest in Southern California? No. Okay. <laughs> Why not? There's the quick Let's answer. start there. Why not? Well, Why not? <laughs> for most people, I think it's fairly obvious. Um, you, we just can't get the returns. And because we bring in other investors, we can't get a return that we can offer them that okay. they're going to be interested in. There's too little there. Okay. Got it. Yeah. I, I had a wholesaler reach out to me the other day and said, Hey, I'm down in Southern California and I'm a wholesaler and I'm looking to send deals. Are you interested? I said, sure. I'm looking at multifamilies, but I doubt I can buy anything in your area. And he's like, Oh, I'll send you some great deals. So he sent <laughs> me a list and they were just, I mean, like 0.2% rule or, you know, like, I mean, it was just 10 times worse than it, what I would find up here. And I'm like, that, that, that won't even, that's not, a that's not deal. even close. Yeah. So yeah, anyway, I, I fear for those people that are down there I and mean, I feel bad for you guys, but, but you're making it work because you're investing out of the area, which we'll probably touch on later, but uh, maybe we can yeah. talk about your first deal. I mean, when you got started, uh, let's talk about your very first investment. What was that? Well, as far as in multifamily, because Wait, I did, oh, we can go either. Period. Period. Yeah. Well, I, I, I dabbled a little bit in, in single family, but it was at a horrible time. It was when everything was dropping in uh, 2005 and tried uh, foreclosures, REOs, and it just wasn't happening because the banks weren't working fast enough and it just, just didn't work out. So that's when I started looking other areas, other avenues, and started looking into the multifamily uh, arena. Okay. And gotcha. maybe that's an obvious question. Maybe you kind of answered it there, but you know, you said, I guess what I'm trying to get at is like, spit it out, boy. Yeah. Spit it out. Why did you decide multifamily 
when single, I mean, lots of people are succeeding with single family. So why did, why did that pop into your head of, you know what, I'd rather just go multifamily instead of the single. Most people sit in single for 20, 30 years before going multifamily. So why were you different? I was at a real estate event and I met somebody that was pushing uh, his seminars on commercial. And for some reason that clicked with me. The, the extra zeros at the end of the, the numbers clicked with me and it just sparked my interest. It was a lot more interesting than dealing with the single families. Gotcha. That was basically it. So how did did that journey go? All right. I mean, well, forget the journey, but let's talk about the first deal. So, you know, you you decide you're going to go multi. What was the the first property that you you looked at? Well, that you ended up purchasing. How'd you purchase it? And, you know, any more information about the deal would be great. Yeah, that one, um, it ended up coming from a broker relationship. Uh, it was one of these deals where I went on LoopNet to find uh, properties, found some properties, uh, talked to the broker about those properties, which, of course, weren't good deals. But I started up a relationship with the broker who was a displaced Californian and was living in Texas. And we ended up getting a fairly good friendship. And so when he finally it took a little while, but when he got a deal that actually the bank came to him that the bank had some developers that ended up stuck with their properties. This was like in 2010. They were stuck with some fourplexes. And the bank came to him, and so I was the first one that he called because of our relationship. And he said, here, this is perfect for me. So basically what it was was five fourplexes on the same cul-de-sac and with two different developers. that They were built in 2007, 2008, and they ended up getting stuck with those and they were lousy property managers. They may have been fair developers, but they were not good property managers. So the bank was desperate to get somebody in there that could run the properties properly and to pay their bills. They were a couple years behind on their taxes, and the bank wanted us. They met us, and they wanted us in there. We did not even fill out any loan documents. Basically, we got the loans on all five of those properties by handing them their, our, fin- our financial statement, and they, they wrote up the contracts and we signed them, but we never applied for loans. So we, it, was, it was a fabulous process. <laughs> Interesting. We hardly paid anything in closing costs. I think we figured it out that we paid about 0.75% um, in closing costs. Basically, wow. third-party third reports is all we paid for. Wow. The, ba- the bank didn't charge us anything. No That's cool. And that, so. that is one of the fun things about uh, from what I've seen so far in my you know career with commercial or multifamily investing is that when you're dealing with the commercial side of things, like things are different. Things are like, uh, I don't know, like there's no set in standard. I mean, try saying you go get a Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, uh, you know, house loan and, and try to tell that same story. It'll never happen. I mean, they have to have every, you know, I dotted and T crossed and you have to do exactly their form application and everything has to be the same. But with the multifamilies, you get a little bit more variety or uh, options. So I think that's kind of a cool story of how you did that. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah I agree. Well, it, kind hey, of, it, it, it was, I mean, it was, wasn't, I mean, we call it a commercial loan, and they call it a commercial loan, but essentially it was a residential. Basically, they're five fourplexes, and mm. we have five loans on them, but they still put it all together. And because it was a portfolio loan where they're keeping it in-house, they didn't have to go through all that. Yep. Yeah, that was nice. that was what made it good. Maybe for those people who don't know what that means, maybe you can kind of expand on that portfolio lender. What does that actually mean? Well, basically where the bank keeps it in-house, they don't go and sell it off or package it off to somebody else. 
And what's the advantage of that to an investor who's looking for a loan? Well, the banks have a lot more flexibility on what they can do. Um, They don't have to follow all of the rules. As as Brandon said, you know, fill out all the other forms and make everything up to all the regulations or all the rules that are in place. They have a little more flexibility in those. Gotcha. In the past four years, I think, Every single loan I've done in four years now has been a portfolio loan. Because once I hit that max like number where I couldn't get any more, I think you know I have whatever number of properties, but I can't get any more loans under that. So then I go to the portfolio lender, and they're much more willing to work with me. Now that's not to say, and again, people oftentimes think that portfolio lender means it's going to be really easy to get the loan. I can walk in with no credit, no money, and you know no experience, and they're just going to throw money at me. And that's not what it is. But uh, definitely yeah. more flexibility. I think that's great. Yes. Hey, Jeff, so you had said that uh, they wanted you. Up until this point, what was your experience? And then why, why did they want you? you know, what, what did you offer that you know, was of interest to them? Not that I'm not saying you suck. I'm just saying, you're like, hey, Jeff, <laughs> you know, what, what did you bring to the table? We brought to the table a professionalism. We did not have experience, even though my, my business partner, she had done some, uh, some singles and stuff, but we did not really have multifamily experience. Now, we were at the time invested as a, as a passive investor in a large portfolio of 700 units, a $20 million property, and the bank was impressed with that. They thought that they they thought that was great and that yeah. added to our credibility. The other thing is is we came in very professionally. We wanted to be there where the the uh, developers basically wanted out. Yeah. And we just came on as a professional group. What does that mean? I mean, you know, professional. Yeah, you're you're talking well, to Brandon and Josh. I mean, we don't know professional <laughs> from uh, you know whatever. Clearly, no. I mean, it's a good question. Um, it's just that we came in there and we knew how to evaluate multifamily properties. We knew how to manage the properties, mainly from learning from different sources because we really weren't experienced in that area. Um, except for the investment that we were in, where we were able to learn from those the other group, so gotcha. we did learn by being invested in another portfolio. What What did you show up with? I mean, you, you know, you're you're coming to the bank with with this professional loan package. You talked about financial statement. What What else besides you know, obviously, you know, being an intelligent individual and talking about your background, but you came with a bunch of paperwork. What What did you bring? What came with you into the to the door As- there? As far as the paperwork, essentially, it was, as I said, our financials. We did come with a resume, and I believe, okay. and I believe we had a, a business plan. Okay. Um, so we did make up a business plan telling uh, where we wanted to go and where we were, and it just made us look very professional by handing them that. Was the business plan for that particular package, or was it for your business as a whole in real estate? It was for our business as a whole. It had nothing to do with that particular property, no. Gotcha. Okay, that's great. So this is something that I harp on people all the time to do in emails and when I do webinars and everything else is that professionalism angle is so important. Uh, Just to illustrate that real quick, um, last year I was trying to get a refinance on a fiveplex that I have. And so I went to one bank who was known to be a good portfolio lender. And I even had a recommendation from a friend who introduced us that, you know, everything right, right? So I go to meet with the guy and I just... Like I was in a, you know, it was a busy time. I think I was in the middle of writing the last book or whatever. And so I just like brought him this stack of papers and I was like, here, you know, the property's great. It's worth about, you know, 
40% more than what I have into it, maybe even double, you know, or, or 140% more than what I have into it or whatever. It's, you know, it's, a, it's, it's got a lot of equity in it. I'm fine. Can we just make this happen? And a month went by and he didn't do anything. And then another couple of weeks went by and I got a phone call and then in the end he rejected me. And I'm like, this is a, I'm a perfect borrower at this time for this, for this thing. And everything was perfect about the property, but I was so unprofessional in how I presented it. So then a few months went by and I was like, okay, I'm going to do this again. Went to a different bank. And this time I like, I went and I did, I mean, me and my wife spent a whole weekend just making the most like detailed, perfect analysis, like packet and a resume and a business plan and all this fancy stuff. I brought it to that bank and within like three days I had an approval and then we closed a month and a half later. Uh, so, I mean, like, there's just such a difference in being professional versus not. And, uh, I think people should uh, definitely take heed to that. But going back to my original thing before, Josh, and maybe did you want to say something on that? I saw you open your mouth. Well, I was just going to say that I All absolutely right. agree with you that you're, you, what you're handing them as far as documents is showing them your professionalism. And that means a lot more than just those documents. It tells them about you. Yes. And, yep. and, you, and especially, I think, with, well, either, either with the small banks, you need to be professional. And when you're working with the bigger lenders uh, as well. Yep. You're coming across, you know, they, they don't know you. So the only way they know you is by your documents. Yep. Yep. And, and, Absolutely. A, and a commercial lender doesn't invest in property. They're not investing in a deal. They're investing in you as a customer. And so they want to know that you're a professional. Uh, that's why, like you said, you didn't even bring anything about the deal. You brought it about you and your business. And I think that's huge. So, but now what you just said on that, though, I mean, I, on the commercial lender, I think they do. They want both. Oh, well, of course. Yeah. Yeah. They, for sure. Yeah, they they want. It used to be, it used to be that they didn't look at the person as much. Mm-hmm. And and I remember when I was first learning about commercial, they said, "Oh yeah, you can get commercial." You know, they look at the property. They don't even care about you. Well, that's long gone. Yeah, they they still look at you, and uh, they they weigh it as well as the property. Both are very important. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, I was thinking more. They're never going to lend on a bad deal, but if they don't like you, they don't think you're a professional. It doesn't matter how good the deal is; they probably won't lend on you today. Uh, but then, just to touch on real quick what you said earlier, uh, and then we'll move on. Is you said you invested in that 700 unit property, and uh, you know we don't need to dive too deep into that or anything. But the fact that you did that added to your resume, and I just think that's kind of cool. And maybe people who are trying to get started today and struggling to kind of build that resume for themselves. That might not be a bad way to do it is find somebody else who's investing and just invest with them, you know, even just latch onto their experience in that level. Uh, do you think that's a good idea? I mean, do you, are you glad you did that deal for that reason? Anything you want to say on that? Absolutely. And I was, I was very surprised when it impressed them as much as it did. Well, that was, you know, I did it for the experience because I felt that the person I was investing with uh, was going to give us a lot of information when we had our conference calls, and I would learn a lot from them. But what I didn't expect, I didn't expect the lender to be as impressed as he was. So I learned, I, I got a quite a bit out of that. Hey, Jeff. So at, at the end of the day, I mean, you were just private money in that deal. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. That, yeah. yeah. So that's really interesting. The bank, you know, looked at you and said, hey, this guy's got experience. You had nothing. You literally gave <laughs> your money to somebody else who had the experience and it just attached itself to you. So that that is really fascinating. And and frankly, if any of our listeners have similar experience, I'd, we'd love to hear about it. And you know, you can share your, your story on the show notes at biggerpockets.com slash show 115. So uh, great. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks so much for, for sharing that little tidbit there. Yeah. Cool. All right. Hey, let's, let's move on. So today, well, first of all, how many deals have you done now? Like apartment wise? 
Well, that was, uh, we've done two. Okay. Basically, we've got, that one was a 20 unit and we've got a 60 unit, a 62 unit uh, out in Houston. Awesome. Uh, and, I think, and I think I'm under contract now for uh, some property out in, uh, in Ohio. So you, you, think, cool. you think you're in contract? I mean, <laughs> uh, well, I'm, not I'm just contract. saying. No, they, they, they called me up and said they liked my LOI and they were, I mean, we're not under contract, but they've got the LOI. And what is an said, LOI, Jeff, really quick? Letter of intent. Thank you. Good. Uh, one, just on the letter of intent, uh, rather than going to contract and spending money on uh, a lawyer to look over a contract, we just do the LOI, and if we can agree on the major terms, and then we go go to contract after that. That's gotcha. great. Gotcha. Cool. So, so what you're saying, and, and just to kind of rehash for uh, everybody listening, you go, you find a deal, you kind of go back and forth on on terms. You write a letter of intent with those terms. If you guys agree to all the terms in the letter of intent, then you go and you spend the money with the lawyers and you kind of get the real contract uh, drafted up. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay, yes. good. Nice. Cool. Nice. All right. So tell, tell us about that property. I mean, that, that's, uh, you know, Houston, why Houston? How'd you find the property? Was that also a loop net situation or, or how'd that come about? No, it was not a loop net thing, but the funny thing is it was also a broker relationship. Okay. And it happened to be the same broker. Uh, <laughs> nice, nice. There you go. There you go. Who was who moving? Uh, the original one was out in the Rio Grande Valley over there uh, by McAllen, uh, Brownsville area. But he's expanded his office to Houston. And uh, basically, he found the property on a cold call uh, where he went to one property. The owner was there, didn't said they didn't want to sell that property, but that they had another property that would, they were interested in uh, selling. And uh, again, I was the first one he called. He called me up, and uh, so we purchased that property down in Houston. But I, I had been looking in Houston, and I was interested in Houston. Uh, I just hadn't gotten something yet. Okay. Hey, wh- why were you the first person he called? I'm sure he's got other clients that are looking for deals. What did you do to put yourself at the top of his list? Well, we've had the, we've had a relationship uh, for quite a few years now that we talk back and forth. And, and as I said, he was a displaced Californian. So um, we just had a lot of things in common, and I guess he likes me. He knows we, <laughs> he he uh, he feels that we could close on the deal, and and he's got other people. He's he's got a he upset a couple other people that uh, could have come in with all cash, but he for he preferred to come in with me because of our relationship. Yeah, there you go, and that says it. I mean, you know, for those people listening, I mean, this is a relationship business, and by fostering those relationships. You can put yourself to the to the head of the pack. I mean, that's it's it's as simple as that. And I hope all you guys out there, you know, are thinking about this not just from the purpose of like being out on our site and networking, which is extremely important, but in person, you know, syncing up with the brokers if you're looking at commercial or residential, just getting to know the other investors in your area who's doing deals. Um, because at the end of the day, if it's you versus somebody else, they know you, they like you, then they know you can close. You know, you're going to win out. So that's great. Cool. Well. So today we want to focus on the topic of getting started with with apartment complexes, and and so I guess you know ultimately you know the, the question that begs itself here I think is should people consider starting with uh, large apartment complexes? Is that something that you would suggest? You know the dilemma with getting into the large apartment complexes is there's a lot of moving parts. Um, I think it's a great way to go, and I don't feel that people have to start with single family to do it. The main thing is, is 
is I think that you have to find somebody that is doing what you want to do. And that's with any subject, that's with any area of real estate, is find someone that's doing it and find a way of being a service to them and learn from them. And I, I love, you know, I love the apartments. I love the, that, that concept, and it's kind of where I went to. I don't know if it's for everybody, yeah. but the idea of finding a mentor and uh, working with them to learn. So, so if, if you know, we have a lot of our listeners have never done this and see mm-hmm. it as just so far above and beyond where they are. I, I don't necessarily think that's the case, uh, but there are there are lots of moving parts. You know, if if you'd be willing to, you know, I'd love to hear kind of some of the things that go above and beyond what we're looking at on a, you know, say a two or three family or even a single family. You know, what what am I? What are the differences? You know, obviously financing, but beyond that, what else? Yeah, the financing is is a big one, making sure that you qualify for the financing. And just a little bit on the financing, though, is you're not talking about income. They don't really care much, you know, if you have a W-2 income. You could have no W-2 income as far as that's concerned, but they're looking at net worth and liquidity. And a lot of the things we look at is if, okay, if if we don't have the net worth of liquidity, we've got to find somebody to bring in there to join with us. And commercial is so much more of a team sport. I mean, single family is too, but commercial is so much more. Besides the financing and having to deal with having the liquidity and the net worth and experience, you also have insurance issues. Uh, Dealing with insurance on commercial properties is a whole other thing. Then you've got, uh, if you're going to be raising funds, you've got the securities and exchange stuff. So you've got to go and get your, your private placement set up. Um, you also have to know enough people where you can get the investors in to raise the money. You've got a lot more money uh, to be bringing in. And those pieces a lot of times are moving all at the same time. Yeah. Is is that how you financed your two properties that you've got so far as private private placement? Or did you have come with cash? Or how did you buy your properties? All of those, uh, both of those properties are with private private funds from okay. investors. Okay. Now, for me, that that just feels kind of overwhelming, right? Like that entire idea of like, because I don't know anything about that. Other than what we've talked to people on the podcast, I don't know hardly anything about the idea of raising money. And I know you're not an attorney and all that, and people should talk to them. But how do I even start that process? Who do I talk to? I mean, do I just call up my you know divorce lawyer? Not that I have a divorce <laughs> lawyer, but you know, like a guy Whoa, who does. Heather Turner. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she'll listen That's to the show. Good, no, man. but you know, like my attorney does like everything from divorces to you know bank bankruptcies to evictions. Do I call him up? Do you got a special guy that does your stuff? I mean, how do I get started with the securities thing? On the securities things, definitely you want to have somebody that specializes in the securities, not somebody that just does it as as a a side job. You want somebody that knows it, that's current on it, and to learn from that. There's a couple books out that give you some information, um, but I mean, I've gone to several seminars, quite a few seminars on uh, doing syndications, and there are some people that do it. In fact, uh, Joel, I'll mention Joel is one of those people that do uh, some syndication workshops and stuff. You know, you've got to talk to people and learn what's going on because there's, there's a lot of things that you can trip up on. And you can, you can end up with, you know, with an orange jumpsuit and a 6 by 8 in a six by eight room. So you do have to be careful with it. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. You got you to be careful. We're always looking for ways to improve, searching for better. 
But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for better is by matching with quality candidates. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets. Just go to Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Listeners, I'm telling you right now, it's not every day you find a game changer like Rent Ready. They're not stopping with just tenant screening. They've rolled out proof of income verification. Let Rent Ready handle the heavy lifting with automatic checks on financial stability and earnings. Plus, with Plaid certified reports, you'll have all the info you need right at your fingertips. Rent Ready is included in your pro membership at Bigger Pockets. And if you're not a pro, they're offering the six month plan for just $1. How great of a deal is that? That's one eighth of a Chipotle. That's pretty good. Visit rentready.com. That's R E N T R E D I.com and use the code BP Investor. That's BP, like Bigger Pockets, Investor, to get six months of rent ready for $1. Whether you need to buy or sell, or you're just obsessed with looking at homes for sale, Redfin's got you covered. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes to help you see new homes first. And they give you personalized recommendations based on the homes you like, so you can find a home that's just right for you, whether that's a cabin, a craftsman, or a castle. With the top-rated Redfin app, you can favorite homes, share listings with others, and schedule tours even on the same day with a local Redfin agent who can help guide you through the whole home buying process. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents have the experience to help you get the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents. With a listing fee as low as 1%, Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put towards what matters most to you, like your next home. In fact, last year, Redfin saved home sellers $127 million. No matter where you are in your real estate journey, Redfin can help. Download the Redfin app to get started today. You're trying to close on your next rental, so why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. All right, cool. So, all right, so that's kind of your first, you know, you talk to an attorney. Is that the first step or is there another step? Like, what's the first step in wanting to get into apartment complexes? Like, I want to get into apartment 
do you find the build? Uh, my question is, and I think you might be trying to get there is, you know, do you find the property and then take a first step or do you go and say, Hey, I want to buy, you know, big apartment complexes. Let me talk to the lawyer. What is it? A chicken egg, you know, what, find the property, then talk to the lawyer or talk to the lawyer, then the property. The first thing that you're going to want to do is, and I, I'm going to, I guess Brandon was more um, alluding to this one is the first step is to learn how to evaluate an, uh, a commercial property. Okay, yep. That's the first thing. You've got to learn yep. how to value it before you could find it. Because, yep. I mean, the first property that I put an offer on was up in Fresno, and I learned from a home study guide. And fortunately, I mean, I put in a lowball offer and then Fortunately, later on, I learned that my offer wasn't even low enough. Fortunately, they didn't take it. <laughs> Fortunately, I didn't get into contract with it because I would have yeah. been in some big trouble in the first place. Um, but so evaluating the property is the key first and learning, you know, including the, the economy of the area, the, you know, the market, all the stuff about the property that you typically have to learn. That stuff is critical first. While you're learning that, you're meeting people, you're talking to people, getting people to know you. you. You really do need to build up a credibility. When you do a syndication, people are trusting you with their money. And that's a big, big responsibility. And they're not going to do it lightly. And yeah. so you have to come on as a knowledgeable, credible, uh, honest person in order for them to be interested in doing it with you. And. I- so to, to answer your question, which one's done first, you know, the main thing is, is learning how to evaluate the properties. Then it goes to looking for the properties and meeting people at the same time because you need to get the investors. Why would you do that instead of going to the bank and just getting a commercial loan? I mean, you know, say, say I've got, you know, I don't know, you know, a couple hundred thousand or a million bucks in the bank. Why would I go and, you know, go through the rigmarole of, of setting up a syndication and, and uh, doing that than just going at it alone. Okay. If, if I had the money to buy the property outright, is that what you're saying? Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, if that was the case, the main reason is leverage. You're going to get a much better profit off of using the leverage. Yeah. That's, that's the main thing. Not only that, that money could be used for the next property or, you know, you always have to make sure you have enough in reserve. So you, yeah. I, and I've seen people on the podcast that go and say, oh, okay, I have, you know, uh, $100,000. What can I buy? And someone says, oh, you can buy a, you know, a $400,000 house. You come in with $100,000 down, you know, and then what? <laughs> yep. <laughs> and they have no money for closing. They have no money for repairs. So it's not only do you need the money for the down and the closing, and, and the insurance first year and operating costs and all these other lists of things that you need when you walk in the door, uh, you know, you need to have quite a bit of money around as re- in reserve. Yeah, yeah. right on. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And, 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 you know, a piece of a smaller piece of a, a big deal is better than no piece of no deal. Right. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Right, on. right on. Right on. Well, who you mentioned earlier, team like uh, you know building your, you, it's a team sport. I think is what you said. So, do you do you mind sharing a little bit like who should a person start developing to put on their team, so to speak, uh, when getting started with apartment complexes? Well, you need obviously you need the uh, real estate brokers, and you need a broker that understands what you're looking for. Many times, I've had uh, brokers bring me a property that uh, 
you know, this, oh, it's a wonderful property. It's beautiful. It's, you know, 100% occupy, you know, blah, 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 blah. But there's no value add. There's no room for me to move on it. And then they'll go and say it's a five cap, which for those people that don't understand, don't understand cap rates, if you paid all cash for the property, you would be getting a 5% return on that property uh, without any leverage. So that would basically be a five cap. Okay. I was chewed up and down by a broker in uh, Austin when I told him I, I only will look at properties that are at least at an eight, an eight and a half cap. And he chewed me up and down telling me that I wasn't going to ever see any of those in Austin. <laughs> and he said, if I'm lucky, I'll see a six, a six cap or something. And you've got to get a broker that understands what you need and what you're looking for. So that's yeah. probably the first team member you need. That's great advice. Great. Nice. Uh, who, who else? You need to get a lawyer in that state, the uh, transaction lawyer that's going to be able to look over uh, the contract, look over your uh, your loan contract, look over title documents, and that stuff. So that that would be that. Um, you're gonna a lender. You need to get relationship with lenders, and that can be a national lender on the smaller properties. You may want to go with uh, you know your smaller banks, some of your local lenders, but you do want to get. For the if it's a big enough property, you want to get with your national lenders. You'll get much better terms on your national lenders. No, oh, good to know. Yeah, I mean, people come to me and say, "Oh, yeah, you know, I've had I had somebody said, well, first of all, when I've been working working with smaller properties, um, say a twenty unit or something, it's usually mom and pop owner, and they give you their financials that are are crap. You know, you have to sit there and pick and pick and choose and figure out what the heck's going on. Yep. And I would always say, well, look, I can't take this to my lender. And my lender needs, you know, appropriate financial documents. And they said, well, you can go to my lender. I said, okay, well, I'll go to your lender and, and see what they have to say. And they would send me off to their local bank. And back when we were getting 3% loans, this, this lender was going to give me an 8% loan with maybe <laughs> a fifth, with a 15 year amortization. Or something, I said, yeah, I could really go to your lender. That just doesn't work. <laughs> so if I need to go to a decent lender, I need decent documents. Yep. 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 Well, that and, makes and, sense. That, and that's a good point about, you know, we talked earlier about portfolio lenders, and that is something that I deal with. And we all, I mean, like my small little local portfolio lender that I went to, it's great, right? But I'm paying five and a half percent on that money. Where had I gone to a maybe a larger bank, I may have gotten less. I may have gotten four and a half percent or maybe even lower than that. I don't know. I am paying higher for the convenience of that portfolio, at least in my in my experience. Have you found the same? Um, your smaller banks are going to give you uh, higher interest rates and uh, shorter amortizations. Yep. They it's hard to it's hard to get a 30-year amortization uh, from a local bank. They're going to go 20, 25 years. Yep. And like I said, I was even offered 15. Yeah, gotcha. and, that, and that can really hurt. For those people who don't understand what, like, what that means, I mean, uh, the shorter that your amortization is, the higher your payment is because it means that your loan is actually due and you know, it's spread out over 30 years or 25 or 20 or 15. So you can imagine because it's spread out so much shorter, it's going to be a lot higher payment. So, yep. yeah. well, it, well, that kills your cash flow, yep. but in the end, that may not be so bad because you're paying it down faster. Sure. If you, if you can afford, if you could survive with that cash flow, then you could be okay. But- you know, yeah, yeah, your payments are much higher. One of my properties yep. I'm doing a 15 year loan on for the very reason of I want to pay it off in 15 years. I'm not going to take any cash flow and, and in 15 years it'll be paid off. And you know, that, that's what me and my partners on that property decided would be our path because that's what they wanted to do. They were retiring in 15 years. They felt comfortable with it. So yeah, I get, like you said, it kind of comes down to what you want and, and kind of what your goals are. So I love that. 
Nice. Um, cool. All right, moving on. Let's talk about uh, finding them. Uh, we talked a little bit about LoopNet. You mentioned that earlier and broker relationships. I mean, is that kind of really the, the gist of it is find a good broker and have them find something for you? That, for the most part, the other thing that I, I have been doing more of lately is as I meet more people in my, my different real estate events or, or on bigger pockets or where, wherever I happen to meet people, I let them know what I'm doing and I say, look, if you find something, um, a lot of times I'll find people uh, that are doing small multis and I said, look, you find something in your area that's too big for you, let me know and maybe we can team up on it. And so I do a lot of that where, where if somebody has a good deal in a location that I have a reason to be there, I may team up with them and, and uh, do a deal with them. So that's another way that I'm reaching out. That's great. That makes that's sense. Uh, hey. That's how you, know how you find them. So let's talk about what do you do once you find it? Do you write up an offer? Is this the same as single family? You just have your broker write up an offer and do it? You mentioned the uh, letter of intent earlier. Is that always the first step? I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, usually it is because we want to put out as little money and as uh, little time spent on something before we know if we are in the ballpark. Uh, we'll make an offer and in the letter of intent, we've got basically how much we're going to pay for the property, the timeline, how much time we need for due diligence for the financial contingency, closing. Uh, we'll put a few other items in there, just, you know, the major things, just so we see if we have that going. If that is good with them, uh, then we can go to the, the contract. Great. Nice. Great. Nice. Cool. Hey, Jeff, so what are you looking for? I mean, you know, you talked about kind of, I, I guess, a little bit of, on the numbers, but what else do you want when you're looking for a multifamily? You know, uh, is there markets you're looking at? Is there job growth? You know, what, what exactly are you analyzing when you look at the big picture before you go ahead and, and make an offer on a property? Well, the, the market is extremely important. And, and I, have, uh, I have an intern that's working for me, and, and he'll go and uh, analyze. I'll throw everything at him to analyze. And he'll come back with a property and I say, make sure I want to know why I want to be in that market. So it's, it's the numbers have to work on the property, but I also have to want to be in that market. If it's a new market for me, tell me why, what are the, what's the going on in the economy? What industries are in there? What's bringing people in the population? Uh, what's the age population? Are they renter age? You know, just different things about the market, the economy. I'm open to new markets and I'm open to smaller markets. The main thing is there has to be a reason that I, I'm interested in that market. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes yeah. sense. Perfect. Cool. All right. Well, before we move on to the fire round, I have one more question for you. And what kind of mistakes have you made in your investing career? Is there anything that, you can, that stands out as you know, stuff that you would probably do differently or do, do over you wouldn't want to do again? He hasn't made any mistakes. Would you stop? <laughs> Just go to the fire round. Come on. <laughs> there's been there's been so many I, I couldn't get them. Let's see which one would be. <laughs> you know what's really funny? So I had somebody. Somebody was like ripping on us for for some reason. I don't remember what the deal was, but he's literally like, you know, on every show you guys talk about mistakes. I've never made any mistakes. It was literally <laughs> what he was saying. He's like, why do you tell people that they should be making mistakes? Like, we don't tell people they should be making mistakes. We're not saying go make mistakes, but like by, by virtue of doing what you do as a real estate investor, you're going to make mistakes. And if you claim that you haven't, you probably haven't done enough deals. You've probably done a deal or two if you're lucky. 
But, you, probably uh, haven't left, you probably haven't left the house if you haven't made a mistake. <laughs> there you go. I made a mistake <laughs> when I put on this shirt this morning. <laughs> look like Brandon. Yeah, I almost do. <laughs> anyway, yeah, okay, um, so go ahead. Well, there's been many, many mistakes. Fortunately, a lot of the mistakes we were able to pull out of the deal before we completed a deal. Okay. Like uh, you mentioned earlier, that same thing about how you may offered too much. Um, yeah, and, that, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And there was there was another one I remember um, that I did that I made an offer on a property, and I, I the right thing I did was I contacted a property manager to go by there and look at the property for me. And this was in a college town. And when she came back and told me about it, she says, "Well, you know, this really isn't a student housing because that was kind of their niche." And I said, well, what do you think? And I said, it's just really not our kind of thing. And it ended up I did not get that property that I was outbid. But I did go to that uh, town. It was in San Marcos. And we looked at the property. And the property was next door to a, a vacant house that looked like someone had torched. Across the street was an adult bookstore. And then next door oh. to that was a tattoo parlor. Oh, come so, on. Jeff. Sounds like my kind of neighborhood. You know, yeah, yeah so baby. Come on now. <laughs> Party time. Yeah. So I, we were, I was, you know, so I guess I really didn't make any mistakes on that one because uh, it, it, fortunately we didn't get it. Yeah. But, but uh, the, the one mistake that I can think of is we had a uh, broker. We were buying, I think it was a hundred unit property we were looking at. And the broker told us what we should be able to get for rents. And, so we based our, I mean, we don't base our offer on what we could get, but that's the value add. You know, we figured we were going to get that. But what we failed to ask the brokers is what do we have to do to those units in order to get those? And so we learned that, and that's something we make sure of all the time, is we say, yeah, we could get those rents as long as we put at least 3000 in each unit, yeah. and then we could get those rents. But that was something we didn't realize until – so we had gotten there and we had we always shop other properties. We go and see what other properties look like and to see what their rents are to compare what we expect to get. And the, our units would have needed a lot of work in order to get those rents. That's and right. so that's that right. was just one of one of the mistakes. Terrific advice. Cool. Awesome. All right, moving on. Why don't we move this over to the world famous fire round, which today is sponsored by 99designs. Uh, 99designs is the world's largest graphic design marketplace that makes it easy to get a design like a company logo, a website, a t-shirt that you'll love and you'll get your brand out to your community. So just go to the website, tell them about the design you want, pick a price package. You'll get multiple designers to compete for your business. And best of all, you get to pick the best design. So visit 99designs.com slash bigger pockets and get a $99 upgrade of services for free. So again, check it out at 99designs.com slash bigger pockets. It's time for the fire round. All right, the fire round. These questions come directly out of the Bigger Pockets forums. And I know you've probably even seen these because some of these, when I was pulling them, you would actually answered in these threads. So you, these might sound familiar to you from a while ago. But uh, number one, this comes from a guy named Tony from Orlando, Florida, wrote in the forums, I'm having trouble finding a large 20 to 30 unit apartment building. Should I instead just look into buying mul uh, multiple smaller buildings, like maybe three or four unit properties and getting a bunch of them? Well, the thing I like about the larger properties is the management. So, but it depends. It depends on what you find. You know, I like the bigger ones 
for me, the 20s are a little too small. But for somebody just starting out, that may be a great way to go. You just need to find proper management is the main thing. Yeah. Unless it's in an area where you're going to do the management yourself. If it's close enough. Yep. Makes sense. Good, good, good. All right. This is from DL from Cincinnati, Ohio. And his question is, I hope it's a his because I did not write DL. So DL, if you are a her, I apologize in advance. So the question, the question is, I've read that I should strip all the garbage disposals from my apartment complexes because they cost so much to replace. What do you think? I, I would not. I probably would. I probably would because it's, it's going to cause you more maintenance problems. And uh, if we had any, we would probably take them out as they broke. Yep. Um, they're just more, more of a hassle. And for some reason, people that live in apartments, I guess I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to stereotype. <laughs> Shove crap <laughs> in the garbage that disposal. One. Delete that. <laughs> it just seems that people that have not used garbage disposal before don't know how to use them. Yes. And you're going to end up with more issues. Yeah, I get. Why is my hand bleeding? <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> no, what, what, what I get with the garbage disposal is they, they burn out. Like the engines yeah. burn out or something. I don't know what they're doing. Or the blades just disappear inside. So I think they're like shoving like metal, like, I don't know, skis down there or something. Chicken bones, maybe. <laughs> yeah, chicken. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, yeah. it happens all the time. Anyway, we remove them as they go. So, all right, next question. Josh from, uh, how do I say this Encinitas. name? Encinitas. Encinitas, California, is wondering, I'm thinking of buying an 18-unit apartment building that is in the same complex as 70 to 80 other units. So it's like a, I think they call it like a condo's eyes or something. Anyway, it's like, it's only a portion of the 70 to 80 units. Is this a bad idea knowing that I have a lot less control over the rental price and the HOA fees and such? I would say it's a very bad idea. If you don't have a control over the majority of the units, I would stay away from it. If you had control, we were looking at a property where we were going to have control of the HOA because we would have a majority of the properties that I might consider doing. But I certainly wouldn't consider coming in as a minority owner and being at the at the control of the HOA. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense. Right on. All right. Last question. I'm looking to get into my first apartment acquisition, hopefully five to 10 units to start. What's the best route for financing a small down payment, 10 to 15K? Uh, but I've got a very high credit score. And that is from Doug from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I would go and look for private money. So you check out, find, talk to your relatives, your family, friends. Uh, that's the best way to start. So yep. you have, uh, have them uh, look at what they're what they're earning on their their funds, and uh, if this property will bring them in more, maybe they'll be interested. There, there you go. go. Good stuff. All right, uh, let's move on to the world famous famous four. All right, these questions we ask everyone, so we're going to fire them at you here. Uh, number one, what is your favorite real estate book? Well, I have lots of real estate books that I have either listened to or read, but I will go with the most influential. The ones that had the most influence on me are, are books that have been mentioned many times here, which is the, the E-Myth, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and the Cashflow Quadrant. Cool. Uh, those probably had more influence on my thinking than anything else. Right on. Right on. Oh, and you kind of covered the next question, which is your favorite business book, E-Myth? Yeah, E-Myth. Yeah, I guess, I guess those really aren't real estate books uh, as such. But yeah, with those, those three, it, it covers it as far as business books. 
And I will say that as far as real estate books, what I find more rewarding, and you guys didn't pay me anything to do this, but <laughs> uh, the podcasts that you guys do and uh, Bigger Pockets, I think that's better than any other book that's oh, out thanks, there. Man. And as well as the Beginner's Guide and the, the Lower No Money Down book. Thank you. Uh, those all have some great, great information in them. Wow, he's my new favorite guest. Look at that. Yeah, right on. See, it doesn't take that much work to become a you know my favorite guest. Come on, Ben Ben Labovich. You don't have to make fun of me the whole time. Just just send the cash. Just send the cash. Yeah, there you go. There you go. There you go. Nice. What about hobbies? Uh, What do you do for fun, Jeff? Um, I like to cycle for for exercise. Um, I also like to ski when I can when I can do that. But I guess the biggest one is uh, spending time with my grandkids. Right on. Cool. Right on. How old are your grandkids? Uh, I have 13, 13, 7, 6, uh, 5, and 6 I don't months. want you to work that hard, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that way you caught me off guard on that. Oh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> There's five of them. So. Oh, okay. That's cool. Oh, that's great. <laughs> that's awesome. That's really great. That's really great. Cool. All right. My final question. Uh, Jeff, what do you think sets apart successful real estate investors from those who fail, they give up, they never get started? You know, I think a lot about this one and people ask me a lot about, you know, what makes someone successful. And I think the main thing is, is a big why, you know, a strong why they're in this that keeps them going. It's, it's a lot of pulling it out of your gut and continuing when everything seems to be falling down around you. There's a lot of money to be made in real estate. Nobody's going to claim it's easy, but I think it's just the drive that there's a lot of people that I've seen have fallen to the wayside because they didn't have either a strong enough why or they just, I don't know, just couldn't pull it out of their gut to continue. That's great. Yeah, that's great. Great And and I think I agree with you. Yeah. Weird. There you have it. All right. Before (laughs) weird. (laughs) All right. But so before we go, where can people find out more about you, Jeff? Do you have a website or, or, you know, where, where can they get in touch? We do have a website, uh, www.synergeticig.com, and Synergetic is S-Y-N-E-R-G-E-T-I-C-I-G.com. Nice. Cool. Well done. Well done. All right. Well, listen, thank you so much for coming on the show. We definitely appreciate it. We also appreciate having you as a member of the community on the forums. And uh, you know, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your uh, knowledge with us. Well, thank you very much for having me. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you. It's been fun. Bye. All right, guys. That's show 115 of the Bigger Pockets podcast. Definitely make sure to check out the show notes at biggerpockets.com slash show 115. And you'll get all the information about today's show, links, and all sorts of goodies. So definitely check it out. And uh, we'd like to thank Jeff again for all his help on the, these questions for you in, in the field of uh, apartment investing. Uh, really an interesting topic that uh, I know you and I talk about a fair amount, Brandon. So, uh, you know, so always, always fun learning more, right? It's always fun. Sure. Yeah, great. Way to be enthusiastic, <laughs> man. Way to be with it. Way to be with it. My phone started just ringing right when, right when you oh, said that. You know, I'm oh. like, who's calling me? I think it's my lender, actually, that I talk about in this show, which is funny. So oh, that's awesome. I'll call cool. him back. Call him back. All right, we're recording. All right, so that was great. Good show, good show. And, you know, as, as uh, you heard, Jeff is a member of Bigger Pockets. You know, even guys of Jeff's stature are out there on the site uh, giving answers, helping people out because it, in the end, it actually pays itself off. The time you put in uh, does reap the uh, reward of building your network, giving you trust 
Um, and as a result, you become attractive to other investors and other people who might want to work with you. So we definitely encourage you guys to jump in on the community at biggerpockets.com, uh, hang out on our forums at biggerpockets.com slash forums. And of course, you can check us out on Facebook, Twitter, G+, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Uh, and uh, that's it. So if you like the show, please keep leaving us ratings and reviews on iTunes. Uh, and you can get a link to that via the show notes again at biggerpockets.com slash show 115 or show 115. And with that, we'll see you next week on the show. And uh, I'm out of here. So Josh Dorkin, signing off. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. There's a reason small multifamily investing is so popular in the BiggerPockets community. With just a 3.5% down payment, you can own up to four different units. Think about it. If you house hack and live in one of the units, you still have three different groups of tenants helping you pay down your mortgage every month, four kitchens and bathrooms you could renovate to increase your property value, four different Airbnbs, medium-term rentals, or other rental strategies that you can try in one property, all in just one transaction. Of course, the question is, where do you find a small multifamily property that you can actually afford? Which market and which deals are best for you? Once you close, how do you manage it, optimize it, keep scaling, and living your life without being tied down to four leaky toilets or four fussy tenants? All great questions, my friends. All to be answered in the upcoming Small Multifamily Bootcamp with Chris Lopez and Leka Devatha. So if you're serious about growing your portfolio with this highly efficient strategy, head to biggerpockets.com slash four, F-O-U-R. Today, and join us in the Small Multifamily Bootcamp. See you there. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.